Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. Hi, everyone. Scott here. And before we get started with today's episode, I just wanted to take a second and say thank you so much for listening to the Exploring Washington State podcast. We really appreciate all the feedback that we're receiving from you and uh, would love to have you continue listening and providing us feedback. And if you take a second and maybe leave us a review on iTunes, we would love that. I can assure you that uh, reviews, honest reviews, good, bad, or indifferent, we would love to have because that's going to help us you know, continue to improve our podcast. Um, and also, if I could ask a favor, please share this episode with friends and family. Let everyone in on the fun of exploring Washington State. So today's episode is a conversation I have with Ava Davis. And Ava is a cider enthusiast, and she's also a hiking fan. And she is based out of Tacoma. And so our conversation today talks about hiking, ciders, and Tacoma. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, once again, thanks for listening to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here we go. All right, everybody. Welcome. Today, our guest is Ava Davis. Ava has written a couple of articles for us. And the common theme of these articles are they have numbers in their title. So that's why I wanted to talk to her. So most recently, she has completed an article for us called How to Realistically Complete Your 52 Hike Goal. And her first article with us was Eight Sensational Ciders to Warm Up Your Washington Winter. I will take eight Washington ciders to, uh, for 200, please. But Ava, welcome. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit of your backstory and uh, talk to us a little bit about the whole, this whole hiking and cider thing got going for you. Sure. Yeah. So, um... I'm Ava, and I run a cider review blog on Instagram. And yeah, I just, I love cider. I've loved it for a long time. And about a year and a half ago, I was like, I'm going to share this love with everyone else. And I just started writing some reviews, um, posting what I was drinking. It's kind of evolved from there. And then the hiking was also a passion of mine. And I was like, well, let's just combine the two. And so last year, I actually made a goal to do 52 hikes in a year, which I don't know why I made that goal. It was just like one of those things that I was like, let's do it. Let's try something new. Um, and it was hard, but I did it. And it, I mean, I explored so many new places in Washington that I've never seen. So it was just, yeah. So you actually did, you actually did 52 hikes in, in, in the year. Yeah. You didn't do just one a week though. Did you, did you like double up on weekends type thing? Yeah. So I had every intention of never ever doing one every week because I just, I knew I wouldn't do it. Like, it's just not feasible. Um, but I'm a teacher, I work in schools. And so I knew I would have the summers where I could kind of catch up and, and do that. And then the pandemic hit, we had, everything was shut down. You couldn't even go on the trails. So I played a lot of catch up during the summer, like double header weekends, backpacking trips, all of that. So for your, um, definition of a hike. What did you think of as what's a hike? Cause to me, it's going up the stairs from the office here to upstairs. That's a hike because it has altitude. Um, yeah, I don't think you're that lazy. Yeah. In the beginning, I had this like lofty goal that had to be 52 different hikes that they had to be all like five miles and over. And then when everything shut down, I was like, okay, if it's over a mile, and okay. it's included in the Washington Trail Association's like map of hikes and I'm going to count it. So some of the neighborhood parks are included in there and, you know, the trail systems in those. So I counted those as hikes and I typically wanted it to be at least a mile. Like if it was less than a mile, I was like, that's just going for a walk. <laughs> okay. Right. So I was, you know, jokingly say, did when you walked around Wapato, did that 
uh, Wabato Lake in Tacoma. Um, did that, did that count? Um, I mean, I did Titlow, um, beach and I walked the trails there and I counted that as one. Actually, I think I counted okay. it more than once because I was like, I'm not going to get to 52. I don't count this more than one time. Okay. So tongue in cheek, this is not a, an episode about hiking and drinking at the same time. We are, we're not advocating, you know, um, drunk hiking. That's not it, but we're going to talk, we're going to combine the two topics. So there we go. Set the ground rules. So let's talk hiking first. Of the 52 that you did, what was the longest hike? Um, now I have to look. You can cheat. You can look. It's oh, okay. No. I kept track of all of them. Um, okay. And what did you use to what did you use to keep track? Like a list in my phone where I just wrote them okay. down. <laughs> okay. Well, I didn't know. I thought maybe you were using some some hiking app or you were really you know, did, a data nerd. I did after like May. I started doing that. Um, okay. So my longest hike, and most of them I did in Washington. I did a few in California and a you know, a couple in other places, but my longest hike was 11 miles. And that was to, um, green Lake down by Mount Rainier. So oh, okay. it's down in that like Carbonado area, kind of that entrance to Mount Rainier, um, beautiful hike. The first couple miles, you're just like on an old forest road, but then you just like climb up the rest of the time. And there's um like a waterfall offshoot trail and then you get to the top and I did it in the winter so it was just frozen you know frozen beautiful lake it was awesome um yeah so that was the longest one I did if that wasn't broken up by like backpacking and staying the night so like in a day in and out type thing and what of the 52 hikes was your favorite like asking me which child is my favorite um i'll answer though um <laughs> <laughs> as will every parent <laughs> come on let's be honest <laughs> don't tell them um yeah. i think like my most favorite hike that i did in this 52 hike like span was i snowshoed up to high point or high hut in mount rainier oh, okay. um so i think it's about six miles round trip and just beautiful snow. And then you get to the top and it's just like, there's Mount Rainier and it's just beautiful. And, you know, had some ciders, hung out, talked to all the people that were around. Um, there was, there's a, there's a structure there that during non COVID times you can reserve and stay in and snowshoe up there or hike up there in the summer and stay for the night. And that's goals maybe next year. Okay. And then out. <laughs> So as I'm reviewing your article here, which is the beautiful mm-hmm. thing about doing this, is I can scroll through things while we're talking. You lay out, you know, I'm, I'm giving some big, big items here, but, you know, basically we have a subheading of set a goal. Well, our goal is 52 hikes. That's a goal. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's an ambitious goal. Plan it out. And you reference uh, the Washington Trail Association's Trailblazer app. Mm-hmm. A why? Because as I joke, you know, yeah. I am not an outdoor enthusiast, so I don't know anything about that app. So I'm going to assume somebody else listening to this doesn't know as well. So what's the Trailblazer app? So Washington Trails Association is just that. It's an association um, of volunteers and, you know, I don't know all the specifics of it, but they have all the hikes in a map and you can go on there, especially if you go online, on like the online interface, like through a web browser you can be like, I want to do a hike that has a waterfall that's less than five miles. That's it within an hour of Seattle and less than a thousand feet elevation gain. And it'll show you all the hikes. And so it's just a great planning tool. If you're like, 
you know, I don't want to go where it's snowy today. So I'm going to find a low land hike or it's fall colors. And I want to find a hike that has, you know, the trees changing and it will tell you that. So it's just a, a good tool. I like that one more personally the best because it's only Washington hikes. And so you don't get like, you don't search for something and then find something that's like in North Carolina or whatever. And then the users are really good about updating the trip reports so I'm going to go do this hike and I read the trip report that tells me that there's a bee's nest on the trail and every single person that they saw walking on that trail that day got stung by a bee. I'm probably not going to do that hike this week. I'm going to, you know, save it for later. Especially if you're like allergic to bees, you know, this is great information to know. That's, that's, yeah. wow, that's amazing. Or, you know, the roads washed out or somebody went and they were like every single car that was trying to drive on this got stuck and we were towing them out. And, you know, it just, it gives you an idea of, if that hike is a feasible hike or if it's even a good hike, they, they rate them. So sometimes I'm like, well, it only has two stars. Probably, probably not going to do this hike. It's not worth my time. Okay. So. Well, then your next part is be prepared. I think we're interviewing a boy scout here now, but. Um, <laughs> I was a girl scout for a very long time. Okay. So, okay. So if you guys need cookies, maybe she can hook you up to say, so you no know, people, if you're looking for girl scout cookies, no, just kidding. Probably. <laughs> so you've got, and I haven't clicked on the link here. You've got pack the 10 essentials. And so I'm going to click on that. And I don't know where that's going to take us to. Oh, something from REI. So what in your words are the essentials for somebody to have a successful and enjoyable hike? Well, you got to bring all 10 because even if you're just like wandering out and you're like, oh, it's a mile hike. Like anything can happen. I've been on hikes and seen people that have broken their leg and they're just stuck there. So you need, you know, food. And probably a little bit more than what you would actually need for the hike you're going on. Water, um, some kind of navigation, whether that's the app you're using, a paper map, um, a compass, all of those things. You need shelter. So if you emergency happens, maybe you have an emergency blanket, um, something to start a fire with. You know, I'm getting mm-hmm. some. I'm thinking about five. Um, what else? You need uh, like a water filtration system, something to get yourself clean water if you run out of water. And water in general, you should probably bring mm-hmm. um, extra layers. So in case it gets cold, you know, you have some things that you can, or you get wet, you have something else you can put on. You got in front of you. What else am I forgetting? Well, we've got the, uh, the 10 are navigation. So like you said, mm-hmm. um, headlamp. Mm, that's the one I, I didn't bring for a long time. I was like, why would I need a headlamp? I'm hiking in the middle of the day. And then, you know, sometimes the middle of the day hike turns into... A nighttime hike. Well, my logic would be if I'm hiking in the middle of the day, why do I need an emergency blanket? So I wouldn't take that necessarily. But like yeah. I said, my hike is up the stairs to the house. So. Um, <laughs> anyway, but okay. So uh, we've got headlamps. We have sun protection. Mm, that's the other one. That's the other yeah. one I always forget too. Because yeah, yeah sunburns are no fun. I mean, yeah. if, you're up, if you're out there and getting your back, your neck burned and all that's no fun. Uh, first aid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I bought this little thing from REI and I love it because I don't have to think about all these 10 essentials. It's like this big and you can't see how big I'm holding up, but like the size of a sandwich and you throw it in your bag and it has like six or seven of those. So the only thing I think about is water and food and layers usually. Right. So (laughs) a knife, which makes sense. Fire, shelter, extra food, extra water and extra clothes. Yeah. There you go. And then I always bring the the 11th essential. Right. Let's talk about that. Um, well, let's put that in here, but then we're going to circle back to that. So the 11th essential is a cider. Okay. 
Okay. So we're going to, we're going to get there. Okay. So then your next part is actually go out and doing the hiking. And, um, I can't imagine, I mean, really to me personally, all kidding aside, doing, trying to do a hike a week for 52 weeks in a row seems daunting just because of life. Mm -hmm. Um, who knows what's going to happen this week. That's going to blow up my plan to go hiking on Thursday. You know, just so to do 52 in a year is pretty cool. And, uh, I like the way you've laid it out. I think it's feasible for, you know, I mean, I had an advantage cause I had the summer off, but I think, you know, even if you double up on weekends, like it's feasible for most people to set the goal and to complete it, especially if, you know, not every hike has to be 10 miles long. You can, you can get out there and, and visit, you know, a little waterfall and then drive down the road and do another one. And you did two in one day and it took you right. four hours. <laughs> and it's, it's not like you're walking on a track in circles to go five miles and, you know, it's, you're getting out into nature, you're seeing something cool. Yeah. Um, earlier before we got on this call, we had talked earlier and you had mentioned you're, you're a big proponent of the leave no trace movement. Mm-hmm. And what, what are you seeing this, this last year? what did you see on your 52 hikes? Are, are people being good stewards? Or are we, you know, we got a ways to go. Yeah. And it's, it's difficult because this year that we had with the pandemic, kind of the only thing a lot of people could do to get outside was to go hiking. So you have a lot of people who necessarily don't know what they're doing and not that hiking should be elitist and not that it should be, you know, just for certain types of people, but there's a way to educate yourself and to make sure that you're doing no harm. And so, you know, you're going on the trails and like the big thing I see is like trash. They weren't doing a lot of trash pickup because, you know, they're not sending the workers out there. Um, The bathrooms are closed and locked. And so people are just leaving their things where the, <laughs> where it would be, but it's not, you know, those services aren't available. So, you know, the, the leave no trace thing is leave it how you found it. And that includes like not taking things with you, but also not leaving things behind. And so right. coming prepared with a plan and, and knowing how to do that is a big part of hiking. And it's something that people need to be educated on because you don't know, like, you're just like, I'm going to go for a hike. And then you're out in the woods and you're like, well, now I need to use the bathroom. What am I supposed to do? You know, now I ate the sandwich and there's no, you know, there's nothing for me to throw it away in. So what am I supposed to do? And so it's really just about like education and and stewardship in that way, which, you know, a little Google search will tell you what you're supposed to do. Absolutely. So do you have the goal for 2021 of doing 52 hikes? Are you going to try to do this year too? You know, I'm not going to. And I think the big reason is that like I did it already. Okay. Uh, I you got the t-shirt huh you got the t-shirt yeah i wish i yeah. i don't know if, i think you have to pay for the t-shirt and i, I don't want to yeah, yeah. But, well, since your, it's your thing you could print it yourself you're good okay i'll just get a sharpie out um <laughs> i definitely am going to keep hiking i think i've done three so far this year so if i wanted to i'm kind of on track you know to do the 50 so where, so where have you gone at the time of recording this is january so uh 2021 mm-hmm. um so where have you gone so far this year um, I have a list of that too. I, some of them are not in Washington. I actually took a trip down to Portland, um, to visit a friend and kind of do some like masked socially distance, um, hangout or whatever. So in mm-hmm. and we were, did like the Multnomah falls. Um, and then we did like a little loop. There's like Portland has a park down there. We did a little, little loop there, but my very first hike of this year, um, me and my mom took up my dog for a hike in like a neighborhood park that I'd never been to. And so okay. part of me is kind of like, well, I think it would be 
cool this year instead of doing 52 hikes is to explore like the natural areas and parks in my own neighborhood or in like my own city and, and kind of discover mm-hmm. ones that are different. Um, I live like near Tacoma and Titlow Beach and Chambers Bay are the ones that I always go to. I'm like, I'm going to take my dog for a walk or I'm going to go with friends outside. I always go those two places. So, well, and there's that really, you know, well-kept secret. It's a small little park there in Tacoma called Point Defiance. Not many people know about it. Um, hush, hush, don't tell everyone the secret. Yeah, don't, it doesn't exist. But no, I mean, Tacoma's got, you know, that's an amazing park um, that you can wander around in for days, literally, because it's, it's so large and it's got such a great change. Of, I mean, you can be down on the water, you can be up in the trees. It's and go look at the roadies and all that. It's it's a cool park. It's mm-hmm. something your college is and should be very proud of that they're and very lucky that they have it. Um, another one, you know, you're, you're you're within a reasonable drive to Rainier. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that small hill that we all see. Nobody really knows what it is, but um, you know, Mount Rainier and all the things around it. You've got you know an abundance of of things there. That's kind of the the nice thing about. Washington state is literally, you don't have to go very far to go on a hike anywhere. No matter where you live in the state, there's some place pretty darn close to home that you can go and um, check out. Yeah. So, you know, of protecting these lands. So there's places, like you said, within 30 minutes of some pretty much anywhere in Washington, you can find somewhere to go outside where you're kind of away from the, the hustle and bustle of your sure. really reflect on things. I mean, even, you know, even the city is, is, is big as Seattle in 30 minutes, you can get outside of it. And, and even if it's just walking around in Green Lake, I mean, mm-hmm. Green Lake's, you know, not, not, not very far out at all, but it's certainly when you're walking around on it, it's a very nice, it's a very nice place to go for a walk. I'm not going to call it a hike. That's a nice place to go for a walk. Um, you mentioned your dog. Did you do many of your, uh, many of your, your adventures with your dog and, what about when we take our animals with us on these, on these hikes, what do we need to be prepared for, for taking Fido with us? It's a good question. I took him maybe on two of the hikes I went on. Um, if you're going to bring your dog, you got to look and see if the place that you're bringing them allows dogs. Um, I know yes. like Mount Rainier national park, you're not allowed to bring dogs in there. Um, you know, there's oh. wildlife and things. And so um, I also know like up in the North Cascades, there's like, there's the Ross Ross National Lake, Ross Lake National Recreation Area. Dogs are allowed there, but if you cross over into the North Cascades, you know, wherever that demarcation line is, you're not supposed to have dogs. And so you, you got to do your research beforehand to know. But if you are bringing your animal, I mean, whether it's your emotional sport dog or cat or, you know, squirrel, I don't know. Um, you know, make sure that they're on leash because that's also, you know, nice for people because people are afraid of dogs and I mean, I love seeing all the little puppers on the trails and I will always, you know, tell them how adorable they are, but people are scared of dogs and some people go out there for relaxation and to get away from things. And then something, you know, comes at them. It can be startling. So keeping it on leash, taking, you know, care of their messes that they make, um, making sure you have food and water. I mean, the same essentials you would bring for yourself, you're going to need to bring for an animal. Right. Right. No, absolutely. I agree. So one of the things... For those of you who are listening, this is called a transition. 
So one of the other things is you go hiking with cider, which is the part of the, my question that leave no trace. So if you're packing in cider, you've got to pack it out. You're not leaving a can or a bottle of it behind. And I, I know you're not. But in your first article for us, you one of the things that I thought was pretty cool was that you um, took photographs of the ciders on location, mm-hmm. if you will. So in, in some of your hikes and all that. So that's the 11th, the 11th item that you mentioned that was not included on the REI guide. So let's, let's talk about hiking and ciders. What started you combining the two? I think that a big part of it is like that idea of like celebrating when you get where you're going, when you're hiking. And so, you know, a lot of people, they call them like trail brews or I can't even think of the other words they use, but it's like, it's when you get to where you're going and you're hiking, it's like a you know, that celebratory drink, whatever that might be for you. And so for me, that's cider. And so that okay. was a natural thing to start bringing it with me. Um, okay. Also. So how long have you been, how long have you been combining these two? I mean, yeah. So what, when did you start this? I mean, I started the cider review thing about a year and a half ago. Oh, actually it'll be two years in at the end of um, April. Okay. But I mean, I was always bringing, you know, you go camping, you go hiking, you just throw a can in your bag and and there you go. The difficult part with, you know, doing the reviews, I didn't want to just have like a picture of a bottle, like on my table with a, a plain wall behind it. Like here's this beautiful cider someone made and here's this very boring backdrop. So I, I will fill a backpack and just go for a walk in my neighborhood sometimes and, you know, throw six bottles in there, get all that extra weight and go for a walk and find cool things to take pictures of. Um, if it's glass, I generally do not take glass on hikes because it's way more likely to break and it's heavier. Like I don't want to carry, like I'll carry the cider weight, but I don't want to carry like the receptacle weight afterwards. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair can't enough. leave it behind. So, you know, those heavy bottles. So if it's a picture of a bottle and it's out in nature, it was probably within a short walking distance from my car or from my house because I did not carry that all the way up. Except for my very last hike, my 52nd hike, I carried a bottle of champagne in my backpack and we popped it at the top. So that 11 mile hike, that was my last one. So you carried a champagne bottle 22 miles. It was 11 miles round trip. Okay. So five and a half each way. You carried that thing 11 miles. (laughs) So uh, hopefully the champagne was good. It was, it was very delicious. (laughs) All right. All right. So trail, trail, you know, got it. We got the, the, we've got the whole, um, combining our ciders and our hikes together. So let's, let's transition away from hiking for a few minutes and let's talk about your, your cider tasting and your reviews and all these things that you do. What really was the motivation for you to like, formalize it and put it on like its own platform and that. So, I mean, it takes a lot of work to do this type of stuff, you know, yeah, every week we're putting to content out on explore, you know, and it's a lot of work and you're putting out a lot of cider content. So it's, what was the motivation? Um, you know, it's funny. Like when you, when you think about Instagram and, and it's all Instagram, like that's kind of like what led to it is, is you have to have something that, sets you apart. Like I have a personal account. That's my hiking one, um, Ava wanders. And it's just like my day-to-day life. Like here's a hike I went on. Here's like some food I made. Here's this trip that I went on. And it's just very eclectic and it's me. Um, but you know, you get the people who just are like, yeah, I'm your friend and I'm going to follow you. But if you want 
to like build a base where people really are interested in something. You have something that you're passionate about. And so I was like, well, I'm passionate about cider. So this is what I'm going to do. Um, and it really just started like, here's a cider I had at a bar and I took a picture of it at the bar and I wrote with it, what it tasted like. Um, and then, you know, six months down the road, I, I reached out to some cideries and I was like, I would love to review your stuff. Can you send me some samples? You know, 50, oh, I see um, what this is all about. Yeah. It's, it's about drinking good, cider yeah. <laughs> for free. <laughs> Got it. So, no, you know, 50% of them responded back with yes. And some of them didn't respond at all. And some of them were like, oh, it's too expensive to ship cider or who are you? What are you talking about? Um, okay. So let me ask you, let me interrupt you and ask you this question. So you, you sent out a bunch of inquiries saying, Hey, I'm Ava, send me cider for free. I mean, nicer, and I'll yes. review and, yeah, I know. And <laughs> I'll review it and I'll share the world what I think of your cider. So you sent those out mm-hmm. and the yes, you were nicer without naming names, without, you know, just from all the pool of data that you have, who was more responsive, small cider places or bigger cider places? I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of 50, 50. Okay. I think that the, the cost of shipping cider is prohibitive for a lot of the smaller cideries. So a lot of them were like, Hey, I'm going to be, um, they self-distribute a lot of them. So they're like, I'm going to be driving through Tacoma to deliver to, um, peaks and pints or, you know, one of the places. And they're like, um, can I just bring it to you? And I'm like, yeah. Here's my address. I was going to give it to you anyways to ship it to me. So just drop. Right, right. Stop on by. We'll find okay. workarounds for it. But as far as like shipping to my door, um, more, mostly the bigger, the bigger cideries will do that. But even like they have tap rooms, they're like, come in and we'll do like, we'll do flights and we'll talk and we'll give you a tour. And so it just depends like what the. Okay. So it was a mixed bag. Okay. So I, I, I hijacked you there. So <laughs> As I warned you, I would do. So you started sending out, you know, requests for ciders and they started providing you with some or not. And you're doing this and tell us more. I mean, just keep, keep going on that. Yeah. So, I mean, so six months in, actually like three months in, two months in, it's my birthday. And the cidery from California is like, Hey, I am going to the cider festival in Portland and I need someone to help pour at our table. And part of it is you get like a free bracelet, like a vendor bracelet. You can drink as much as you want, try all the ciders. And I just need you to work for like a couple hours so I can, you know, kind of schmooze and walk around. And I was like, well, I already bought tickets, so I'm not going to do that, but I'll see you and say hi when I'm down there. Um, and so I go down there and he's like, well, I still have the bracelet. So he gives me the bracelet. So I have a vendor bracelet. And so everybody just assumes you like work for a cidery. And it was just like the golden ticket to, it was bad. It was bad. I learned my it was bad. You have to learn your lesson at some point in life. And that's when I learned my lesson about you learned your lesson. Okay. Unlimited amounts of alcohol are bad and that you need to pace yeah. yourself. Everyone who's listening. Everyone. Don't do that. Uh, consume responsibly. Yes, exactly. And so, you know, and I was responsible. I wasn't driving and I was, you know, I was, I was an adult, but from there that it's a huge festival. Um, it's called cider summit and they do them in, Seattle, um, Portland, San Francisco, and Chicago every year kind of shifted okay. like a virtual this year. But anyway, so doing one in September in Seattle, and I was just like, the worst I can do is ask for free things and people say no. So I emailed the 
company. And I was like, I run a cider review account. I would love to like work with you guys and do a giveaway and give away tickets to your festival. And they were like, okay. So that was like my first giveaway on Instagram. Um, I got tickets to go to the festival. I covered it, um, you know, posted about it while I was there. And afterwards gave away tickets to people in Seattle to come and go to it. It was, it just kind of like exploded from there. Like I started going to cider festivals and getting invited, um, got things shipped to me and I've just been reviewing a lot of ciders. I think I've done over 350 in the last less than two years, like individual reviews of ciders and meads and ginger beers. Okay. (laughs) But mostly cider. Mostly cider. So I always ask these type of questions because I, it's funny when I ask it, but actually I think it's really, I think it's a great question. So preface, I really think it's a great question. So I always ask, like when I talk to an entrepreneur, I ask him like, well, what was something that you thought was going to work great and then just failed because you thought, oh, this is going to be brilliant and it just did not work. So I'm not asking you to tell us the worst cider you've had because I'm not trying to say that, but what was something that somebody sent you or you bought or whatever it is. And you thought this sounds great. This, this combination or, and I'm, I'm looking on your site right now and I'll just give you an example of where I'm going. And hopefully this one doesn't meet the, I hope I'm not picking, but you've got this one that's a mint and basil. Mm-hmm. And to me, that doesn't sound like something I would like to try, but maybe you go, Oh, this would be awesome. And you try it and you're like, okay, that didn't work at all. So what, where's, what are some fails been in the cider world? No, no brands. I'm not trying yeah. to. Um, you know, what's funny Sorry. is that the flavor combinations typically can be done really well. Like that one, like a basil and mint, like you would think like, why would you put that in a- with apples, you know, but you get like these mellow flavors. Like, you know, you're thinking like, I'm drinking this and it's going to taste like toothpaste. Like that's probably in your mindset. You're like, when you see those flavors, you're like, I'm going to taste this and it's going to taste like toothpaste and it's going to be gross. Um, but it's not because that, you know, they go through just like any company, they do like quality control. So they're like checking all these things to see, um, the most disappointing ciders that I've ever had were just like, like they were like watery and like no flavor. So I can't think of a flavor combination. There was one, um, but it's so like rare. I don't want to say it because then like, like the combination just wasn't, it didn't work for me. It like mm-hmm. it was a little toothpastey. It was the one with mint, but it wasn't that one. But it was something with so, mint that just. So the one that I was referencing is I nod my head, like because I'm looking at your website and you're you know you're sitting in Tacoma and I'm in Wenatchee. <laughs> um, the basil and mint, I was thinking it was going to taste more like pesto, and I was like, mm. I don't want to drink. Pesto. I like pesto. I don't want to drink pesto. Um, that's where has, I went. I didn't you know, eat toothpaste until you said it. You know, I was like, oh man, I was like, right. like no, I definitely don't want that. Um, I mean, right. it's it's surprising what what they can get away with and put insiders and you're just like, this is amazing. <laughs> I had one here and I can't think of who it is. They're in East Wenatchee. Um, and I apologize. I'll find a link and send it to them. I went with some friends to their tasting room in East Wenatchee and they had a, um, a cider that they aged in bourbon casks. Ooh, I bet you it was Union Hill. Oh, that is exactly who it is. Yeah. Thank you. I've, I've um, had their, their one that's aged. In, yeah, it's good. That was, that was a, a, you know, and I was like, okay, I think this sounds like an interesting combo. And it was, it was really quite, quite tasty. Um, we were sitting outside because of COVID and we thought it'd be a good idea still to go in. And uh, it's too cold. No, it's just. Especially over there. Yeah. Oh my goodness. 
Well, we had heaters and a fire pit and all that. And, you know, it's still, I, I realized after about half hour, I was like, I don't feel my feet or my hands anymore and I can't hold the glass. So why am I here? Um, but it's a really cool, they're really nice people. Yeah. It's just, I can't wait till it warms up a little bit. Okay. So the flip side of that question then is what's a combination that you think is awesome insiders? There's a lot. I like, there's people who, um, like are purists and they're like, I only like ciders made with apples. And I am a cider fan of like all varieties, like adjuncts, all those things, add things into them. And I love it. Um, the cider that like is ingrained in my brain and they don't make it anymore. It was like a, like a nomadic cider maker goes to these different cideries and he just like makes a one-off recipe with these ciders and they put it out once and then it's done and he floats away. Um, goes a style cider and with like, uh, which is a style of beer, Goza is a style of beer. And it's like uh, made with coriander and sea salts. And then what, you know, whatever yeast strains they're using in beer. I don't know a lot about beer, um, but it was a Goza style cider. And it had like, you know, you're thinking salt and you're like, oh my gosh, it's like you're drinking salty ocean water or something. But it was just like just the right amount to like balance out like all of these other flavors. It was really good. And it was surprisingly good. And I think that's why it like sticks in my brain so much is because I'm like looking at this. I'm like, oh, it's going to taste like a beer or something, whatever. And then I go to try it and I'm like, I'm like, this is like nothing I've ever tasted in cider before. So I don't know. That was one that just, it really stood out to me. But I tart ciders. I like fruit ciders. I like spicy ciders are very good. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so cans or bottles? age-old well yeah i mean it's interesting because um the cider i have at home right now i've got a a lot of cans of cider Mm -hmm. um, from a a cider um um, locust cider okay and i have a kind of like a couple of theirs right now that i i find really quite tasty in their in cans don't think it's, I, I think I prefer bottles personally. Mm-hmm. I think that's my thing. I prefer it in glass. Um, I do appreciate the convenience of a can. Yeah. Um, but have you noticed in, when you're tasting all these, have you ever noticed a, a preference that uh, one way or the other? I haven't. And like, I've never done the research of like, let's get it on draft. Let's have it in a bottle. Let's have it. I can't like the same cider to like, see if those taste things. I mean, there's nothing in, mm-hmm quite like a cider that's just like fresh, you know, from a keg. But, you know, it depends on what kind of cider you're drinking. If I'm drinking, um, you know, like a heritage, like heirloom single varietal apple, like it should come in a bottle and probably even with like a caged cork, you know, like it, it it's like elevation okay. of, of all the things that went into that cider. If it's a bourbon barrel aged cider, like it, it's probably going to come in a bottle because it took months and months and months of time and effort. And so let's showcase it where you can see this beautiful cider. But then, you know, you get your locust or your incline or your shilling or whatever, and it all, it all comes in a can and it's so convenient and portable. I can throw it in my bag and go to the beach or go on a hike and, and it's easy and I don't have to worry about it. And it tastes, Mm -hmm. you know, just as delicious. So it really just depends on like my, my mood and my, my purpose for the drink. You know, going to a friend's house, I'm going to bring a 750 milliliter bottle of cider, you know, that's in a bottle that's fancy. I'm going to the beach with the friends. I'm going to throw a six pack in a cooler and head out. So, yeah. 
So we talked kind of about pairings within the cider. How about do you do you do much with cider in food? I don't, and I, you know, these New Year's resolutions. We'll just bring it back to where we were before. Um, that was kind of something that I was thinking about this year. Is that I've been doing the cider thing for a while, and and my you know on my Instagram, I, I do a couple different like things that aren't just reviews. Um, I do, I make cocktails and I do cocktail videos featuring cider. And then I do like live happy hours with cider makers. And so I was thinking this year as part of kind of my, you know, how do you want to grow this? How do you want to change it from what it is, um, is to start including some like videos or posts about cider and food and the different kind of pairings you could do. Um, one that surprises people. And I learned this, if you don't, if you have a cider that's a little too sweet for you, right? Like you're just like this, this kind of a sugar bomb. It's like just too syrupy, too sweet. Pair it with something that is sweet. It seems really what? counterintuitive. I know, but the sugar already being in your mouth will make the sugar in the cider seem less sugary. Interesting. I would not have. Yeah. I would not have made that correlation. Yeah. It's really weird, but it works. So if it's too, too sweet, eat something else that's sweeter than it. <laughs> And then it doesn't taste so okay. great. So, okay. So currently you're not big on pairing ciders with food, but while I was waiting for you as you, you were moving your, your laptop to get better signal and all that, I, I landed on your, your Facebook page and there is a video of you. And since it's public, I can talk about it, right? Yeah. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> uh-oh. No, there's this, 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 and I'm going to read it. I got to find it. I got to scroll way back up here because it was a very recent video. You know, some January 4th. Yeah. (laughs) Cider inspired cocktails, PB and J. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So what about pairing ciders with other alcohol and what have you found and how on earth did you think about the idea of putting together this PB and J cocktail? And why don't you tell us what, why don't you tell the listeners what it is? They can go to Facebook and see your video, but yeah. go ahead and. Yeah. So it's on Facebook and it's on Instagram. The Facebook is kind of just like a, like it catches everything that I put on Instagram, but it's, it's on there. Um, yeah, we'll talk about the PB and J. So I think I have about 20 ish cocktail videos on there, maybe a few less than that. Um, but you know, with the pandemic and we can go out, I was like, I need something different to do and kind of like use my time with. And I'm a big fan of Moscow mules. And so I was having a ginger cider one time and I was like, I wonder if I could just make this into a Moscow mule by adding vodka to it. Like, let's make this alcohol more alcohol and just, you know, and add some vodka and some lime and call it a you just told us to add more sugar to sugar. So you're, you're consistent. Up. It's my motto. Just add more. Just do more always. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, part of that was just, so I started thinking of like, well, I don't drink cocktails. Like a Moscow meal is pretty much the only thing I drink. And so I started kind of doing like some research about different cocktails and, and trying to figure out a way that I could replace ingredients in the cocktails with a cider, with a flavor of cider. So, um, the peanut butter and jelly one, I think was one of the most recent ones. And it was just, I was at the grocery store and you know, you're in the line and you're, you're going to leave and they have a little airplane shots there at my little local grocery, grocery place. And I saw, and I was like, peanut butter whiskey. And I was like, thinking about peanut butter. And I was like, well, the only thing that I like with peanut butter is like peanut butter and jelly. And then I was like, 
there's so many fruity ciders. Like, I'm just going to buy this little airplane shot of peanut butter whiskey and I'm going to make a peanut butter and jelly cider. Cocktail. And, and I actually have had a peanut butter and jelly cider. There's a couple places that make them. And it was, it was really good. <laughs> okay. So as I told you before we recorded, you know, you were, you had gone off to move your, your laptop. So I was, I was doing some research. And so I'm about 44 seconds into your video. You have not tasted the video or the, the beverage yet. So I don't know if you think it's the best thing ever, or if you spit it out on the camera, I don't know. But so how was this peanut butter and jelly inspired screwball whiskey, peanut butter whiskey with two town cider house made Marion? How was it? It was really good. <laughs> Um, I drank it and I was like, man, I wish I'd bought a bigger bottle of whiskey so I could make another one. Um, it had like the jammy, like characteristics of the jelly from a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And then like that peanut butter whiskey, it really just, it tastes like, like a sweeter peanut butter, like the kind of peanut butter you would have in like a Reese's. Like, really? Yeah. And so then you just, I just mixed it up. And so, you know, you get that like savory flavor, but with the, the jammy fruity, cider flavor like would i drink it every day probably not but it was fun it was really fun <laughs> so i'm just making faces at you and um <laughs> i don't know i i like whiskey i like peanut butter yeah don't know that i want to try them together i haven't tried that cider so i don't know if i'd like it or not so but you know i like cider yeah so anyway i don't know anyway so you're trying that so then as i was scrolling here you've got all sorts of um um, interesting posts that, you know, people can go and, and check out and I encourage them to do so. What other cocktail combinations have you tried that's been interesting to you recently? Um, oh man, you know, what's funny is that I make these and they're an idea in my brain and I mm -hmm. try them before I make them on the video. Okay. All right. So you're not going to, we're not ever going to catch you. Going, oh. uh, yeah. So sometimes there's been, there was one time I made one that was like, um, kind of like a daiquiri and I had put ice and like blended it. Well, the ice was gross. It was, oh. you know, how sometimes the ice gets that, like, like that minerally, like just like chemically flavor. And so I'm like taking a sip of it and I'm just like, Mm, you know, because it wasn't the actual drink that was bad. It was the ice that just like had that plasticky. Oh. So all of them have been good so far. Um, the one that I had the most recently, other than that peanut butter and jelly one is I made like a spiked eggnog. Okay. But it didn't make it with straight up cider. So there's a thing in the cider world is called Pomo, which is pretty much like a, an apple wine. So they distill cider down into like a apple brandy and then they add fresh apple juice or cider back to it to kind of drop the ABV down to kind of like usually between 16 and 25%. Um, Ooh. it's, it's delicious. Uh, I've made also sidecars with it before, which was very good. So I just pretty much took, I don't do dairy. So I took, um, like silk fake eggnog and with some ice little bit of that pomo, that apple brandy, shook it, you know, put some nutmeg on top and a nice fancy glass. And it was really, really good. <laughs> okay. I'm watching the video now. Why are, you, why are you telling me this? And it's, it's pretty interesting to see what you're doing. With there. my festive Christmas sweater. Yeah. That's quite the Christmas sweater. Yeah, <laughs> yes. It's, 
a three-dimensional Christmas sweater. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 yeah. All right. I am not, I am a dairy fan. And so, and I see this silk stuff, I'm kind of like, I don't know, but how is that? I mean, for those people that are lactose intolerant or anything like that, how, how is this, the silk eggnog? Um, I'm not a huge eggnog fan in general, like, because the idea okay. of eggnog kind of grosses me out. Okay. Like what it's made of. I don't know. But, um, eggnog is a flavor wise. Huh? Nog is, everyone's scared of nog. Yeah. Everyone likes it. Just kidding. Sorry. It's, it's the egg part that actually scares me a little bit. Okay. Um, but it's, it's a little thinner than like a traditional eggnog. And so, unless you're buying like low fat eggnog, which why have eggnog if you're going to buy a low fat eggnog. Um, but the, right. the flavor profile was good. Like it, it had like nice spices and like creaminess and all that. To it, so, well, yeah, you're, you're at the stage of your video where you're, you're, you're putting the, uh, spice on top. And what I noticed was how thick the drink was when it came out of the shaker. I was like, yeah. wow, that's not thin looking i expected it to be really really watery and it looks it looks really quite good i shook it a lot it was yeah it was very surprisingly good like i was like like i said i don't make them beforehand so sometimes i'm like please be good please be good please be good and they (laughs) they have been in, in general i've made um like some margaritas using cider as like the base for it um like i said a daiquiri i made popsicles so it wasn't really a cocktail but it was a boozy popsicle um, using how are we doing that? Let's 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 wait. We gotta can't move past that so fast. Cider popsicles, talk to me. Um, so I did it based on like a tequila sunrise recipe. So, like, you know, tequila okay. sunrise is tequila, orange juice, usually like grenadine, that kind of stuff. And I had a what kind of oh, I just used like a dry cider, so tequila orange juice, dry cider, put some grenadine in there, um, got some maraschino cherries and put them on the bottom of the little pop popsicle holders, poured the mixture in, threw it in the freezer and took them out, you know, hours later and had boozy popsicles. And Those are goodness. They were good. <laughs> okay, that actually sounds very cool. So one of the things I'm taking away from this is that I am a, um, I'm a casual cider drinker. I'm, I'm not, by no means am I an expert of cider and you're sharing with us some interesting and creative ways that cider can be consumed and enjoyed differently than just, you know, a glass of your favorite local cider. So that's actually, for me, this has been cool because it's, it's like, Oh, there's some interesting things. I mean, I can get peanut butter whiskey. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff on that that's yeah. ingrained in your brain now. Somehow I don't think I'm going to, but you know what? I probably will. Um, let me know. How I, I probably will. Um, and I'll let you know and complain to you or something. I don't know. I'll either love it or hate it. It won't be somewhere. But I, I doubt I'll go, Oh, it was okay. It'll be like, it'll be like, Oh, that was the coolest thing ever. Or how dare you share that publicly? <laughs> Take it down now. Now <laughs> put a public service announcement. That's terrible. You can comment on there and tell everybody. Don't. There we go. There we go. Yeah. I'll be polite, you know, in my, you know, no, anyway. So what's next for you? Like you kind of mentioned, like, you know, you're thinking about maybe pairing this with food and you haven't, that hasn't launched quite yet for you, but what, what do you think this uh, cider and hiking adventure was going to lead to you? What do you want it to do? Oh man. You know, I don't know. Like I've, I've big ideas, but a lot of it's like, 
like I have a day job. I like this, my whole mindset behind the whole thing is when it stops being fun and it feels like a job, then I'm just not going to do it anymore. Like if I'm regret, like, Mm -hmm. like resentful of it. So, I mean, I've thought about doing merch. I've thought about, um, you know, I have a website, um, that I run as well. That kind of is like all encompassing of cider, but I'm just not like motivated to do it. And so it's like, you can go to the page and it's just a page and like, click on a couple mm-hmm. things, but it doesn't go anywhere. Cause I haven't worked on it enough. Um, I think, you know, getting up, getting some videos like in Instagram land of some food parents would be cool. Um, I was doing over the summer or before the summer when COVID first happened, I was doing like some live trivia nights and usually had like cider based questions. Um, I stopped doing that because it was summer and I wanted to go outside, but I do weekly ish, um, interviews with cider makers and cideries and cider houses. So I'm going to keep doing that. Um, let's talk about that. Yeah. How, how, how's that work? That's actually kind of, I, that's actually very cool that you're doing that. So how's that been for you? I mean, have you had a good time doing it? Obviously you just said, if you're not having, if it's a job, you're going to stop, but, yeah. um, what have you found the cideries to be enthusiastic to get on there? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it helped that I had met a lot of people in the cider industry just through like festivals. Um, there's this big, and I'm, I'm a cider nerd. There's this big festival. It's not even a festival. It's a convention. So like, you know, there's like Comic-Con and, and all of those. Um, there's one called CiderCon, And, do you dress up as your favorite apple yeah. or is it? <laughs> no, um, but it's just, you know, it's everyone in the cider industry. It's mostly United States, but there's national people that come too. Um, they come, they learn about cider. They learn about new things in the industry, whether it's like production stuff, laws, you know, all of those things. And then you get us like cider aficionado, like enthusiast nerds that come out and volunteer and work at it. Um but I just met like all of these amazing people and cideries and they're all just like so welcoming and they just like bring you in and you become part of the family, which was amazing. So I started doing these happy hours and I was kind of like, well, I need guests and I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so I just reached out to some of the people that I had met and I was like, Hey, I'm going to start these happy hours. Um, I'd love to have you come on. Um, we could do a tasting through your ciders, you know, all of those things. And then it just kind of went from there um, in the beginning I was reaching out and I was asking people and then now I get messages from people like from cideries that are like, Hey, we want to be a, on your happy hour. And I'm like, okay. And, you, and you're doing that on Facebook, live streaming that on Facebook. I'm only doing it on Instagram. I live stream it on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Um, mostly the only reason I have a Facebook page is because, um, Seattle cider company asked me to come on their happy hours. They were running over the summer and we were going to do it on Facebook and I didn't have a Facebook for it. And I was like, Oh, I better open a Facebook cause I don't want to do this on my personal account. Um, and then we ended up doing it on Instagram anyways. <laughs> so the Facebook is kind okay. of just like a, like a, a little stepchild of Instagram. It just gets some okay. of the content, but not all of it. Um, Instagram. Okay. So, and, and I don't, I think the nice thing about it and I, I have a lot of cideries that are like, you know, thank you so much for like just letting us come on here because whether you have, you know, 50,000 followers as a cidery or 200 followers, followers of cidery. Like, I don't care. You make cider. Let's talk about it. You know? And so, you know, I've had these cideries that are very small and they're like, thank you so much for everything you're doing to like get the word out 
about us. And, you know, mostly Washington cideries. A lot of them are Washington cideries that I've had on there. Some, you know, Oregon, California, those places, but mostly Washington. And, okay. and Locust is coming on um, this week on Wednesday. Awesome. Who, who, who are you talking to? Um, the owner, founder, but I can't remember his name. It starts with a J. Um, I don't know. It's Jason. Jason. There we go. I'm like, I, I should, I, I'm sorry, Jason. Jason was a guest on, on a, a recent podcast with us and he's a, he's a really nice guy. Um, they are, they're a great. Yeah. I, I really like what I didn't realize is that they have 10 tap rooms in Washington state. Yeah. And they're in Texas now too, I think. And Colorado and Texas. Yeah. And it's, they have, they have 10 tap rooms and um, it was like, not like I know everything. I don't mean like that, but how did I not hear about this? How did I not hear about a, a, a cider place with 10 tap rooms? That's, that's a pretty impressive. Um, More than any foot- cidery that I know of. I mean, I know. Yeah. Me too. And it's like, um, so that kind of leads me to the one, probably the last question I'll ask you for the day or, you know, that I say, it'll be like 27 more, but, um, but pre COVID, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Tacoma area, where did you like to go for ciders? Where were some good places in Tacoma to enjoy ciders? You know, what's funny is that during COVID is when like a lot of these cider places have opened. Um, okay. And, and some of them, you know, they're just doing to go service right now. And when things back, open back up, I'll go back. But, um, Incline Cider House. They have one down on that like brewery blocks kind of by seven seas in Tacoma, you know, that area. Um, and the thing I like about their cider house, it's, you know, it's incline. So they do their ciders, but they also have a bottle shop that has other cider. And then their taps about half of their taps are their ciders. And the rest of them are all Washington ciders from other places. Rotating, you know, they always have a nice, um, array of different things you can try. And I think there's four tap rooms now in Tacoma, cider houses, like that exclusively do cider. Locust and yeah. Um, um so there's Locust, there's track. Incline Cider House, there's Grit City Cider, Cider, which is very new. They opened during COVID. Um, and they just have their own cider there. Like it's their cider. Um, Tacoma Brewing started a cider thing and that's Tacoma Cider. And then there's a cider house that doesn't have their own brand. And that's, um, it's either Cedar and Cider or Cider and Cedar. I think it's Cider and Cedar. And they have a little, little tap room down there that has, you know, the handles are all Washington, like rotating ciders. So Lots of choices in Tacoma if you want to drink some cider. And when it when it opens up, I will be there. So you'll be there. Perfect. Well, so why don't we wrap this up? But why don't we let you have kind of the last word? Tell everyone where they can find you. And uh yeah, we'll go from there. Sure. So um you can find me on Facebook is just PNW Cider Girl. Instagram, Ava Wanders, if you want to see hiking, that kind of stuff. Um, PNW Cider Girl for all the cider stuff. And there's more on Instagram for that than there is on Facebook. Cause you can't cross some stuff out of whatever. I don't understand it. It is what it is. And then I also run, um, another site that's called palms and pints. Um, palm is the French word for apple. So it's 
anything that comes in a pine glass or is made with apples is kind of what the focus of it is right now. It's all cider. Um, and that just is kind of a repost. If you do a cider review, I will put it on there for you. Um, and that's the name of my website too, is palms and pints. Um, and eventually it will have events going on cider reviews, um, you know, different tap rooms, like, Oh, I live in Washington and Tacoma. What are the tap rooms that are here? Haven't quite got that far, but you know, someday. There you go. As long as it's fun. Yeah. As long as it's fun. <laughs> well, thank you very much for being a guest. I've enjoyed this and, uh, look forward to you having some more articles on our site in the near future, especially if they're cider related <laughs> or hiking, I guess, but you know, uh, for me personally, the cider ones, but you know, I, your hiking ones are uh, going to be well-received too. I can do the cider. I got lots of cider okay. ideas. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast. 